You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message, recorded live from our Brighton campus. Okay, so uh, it's great to see you guys, and today we are beginning a journey where we're going to be working through the book of James, and so that's going to be good. That will be um, probably for the next couple of months, really, because to sort of break it up into good chunks for us each week. Um, that's just how it'll probably unfold. For me personally, um, I really enjoy uh, reading the book of James. It's it's a really fantastic book. And I think for me, is it, it, it speaks to me and it really challenges me, um, which I enjoy that about the word, that it that it challenges us. And the book of James really, really does that for me. It's, it's, it's one of those books, I think, when I don't really know what to read in, say, my personal time with the Lord, generally it's, it's a safe bet just to go to James because it's just one of those books, like I say, that I just think is so fantastic and always challenges me when I, when I read it. And um, <clears throat> maybe some of you guys are in the same boat. Maybe you're like, yeah, I, I really enjoy James as well. It's, it's a great book. Or you could really dislike James because it's just like, it kind of, it's really plain in the sense, this is how it is. This is, this is what's important in regards to our faith in the Lord. Um, I, uh, I guess there's a, some cool facts about the book of James. Um, though it only contains two references to Christ by name, there are more reminiscences of Jesus' teaching in this letter, including at least 15 references to the Sermon on the Mount than in all of the other New Testament letters combined. Which for a small book, it's like, that's pretty impressive, right? The other thing that's really cool is that more than half of its 808 verses are imperatives or commands. So it's sort of like um, the new, it's sort of like the Proverbs of the, of the New Testament, which again, I think that is pretty neat because sometimes I'm the type of person, it's like, um, just tell me what I'm to do and I'll do it. That's, that's more how I am. However, just to the left of me, I heard a, a, some maybe somebody disagreeing with that to some degree, but uh, but that's sort of like what I think. And then, um, so it's it's like the Book of Proverbs for the New Testament, and it's very likely that this this book is the earliest written letter of all the New Testament writings, um, next to the Book of Galatians. So for this reason, I I thought we would title our time together as we look through the book of James called and call it Genuine Faith. And um, as I said before, I think it's, it's very practical in nature, and it gives us clear direction um, how to live like Jesus. And uh, I like that, again, because I just, I like it simple. I like it plain. And, uh, and, and this book does that for us. Scholars tell us that, that at the time of this writing, the Jewish Christians, so uh, in the first century, they were facing intense pressure because of their newfound faith in Jesus Christ. And because of this newfound faith, they were, they were heavily persecuted. And, um, you know, 
in some ways, not a lot has changed today, though it may look a little bit differently or a little bit different. But Jesus warned us, and I, I love this scripture, um, not because of what it says, but because it helps me remember um, that it isn't going to be easy to be a follower of Christ. And uh, Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And, and in some ways that brings me comfort. And in some ways it's like, ah, why does it have to be that way? But it's the truth of the word. And, uh, and so it's important that we remind ourselves about these things. Because of this persecution, they were, they were fleeing. And in this, there became this reality of simp- simply letting faith live only in their heads instead of being evidenced in their lives. Again, how many times do we sometimes see individuals or maybe even ourselves find ourselves in that position where our faith is more or less, it's a little bit safer if we just keep it in our minds and in our hearts and not let it come out. Because when it comes out, there's risk of maybe not being liked in the world, right? And I'm not sure about you guys, but me, I like being liked. Like I like people enjoying being around me. I like relationship. I like hanging out with people. But when they know maybe my beliefs or some of the things that I live for, and they know the one that I'm following, sometimes that changes the relationship and uh, to the point of potentially that person not hating me necessarily, but hating what I stand for and what I believe. And so, in, so instead of, so what was happening is they were living their faith only in their head instead of it being evidenced in their lives. You know, Jesus said, go and make me know, not go and keep silent, right? And I understand there's times where maybe our actions need to speak louder than our words. I, I get that. I get that concept and that whole idea. But I believe that, that we also need to use our words as, as well. Uh, it's, it's understood that possibly the recipients of this book whom were scattering were the first believers who experienced Stephen's death by stoning that we read about in Acts 7. And we've talked about that as a group, the, the stoning of, of, of Stephen because of his faith. And in that moment, things got radically worse for those early believers of Christ. And, um, and so you can sort of appreciate what was going on in their hearts and in their minds in the sense that we've just seen this guy declare Jesus and now they're putting him to death uh, I'm out of here, right? Like you can appreciate what might have been going on in their hearts and in their minds. I mean, it's easy for us to kind of go, oh, come on, guys, you're fleeing? Seriously, like man up or lady up, right? But no, they, I mean, it was, it was sort of like, no, this was, this was not an easy time for them. And so James beckoned these first believers to let, to, 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 to let the pressure, uh, push them deeper in their journey with the, with Jesus and not the other way around. He was like, no, 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 take this time, this, this pressure that you're experiencing, use it for good, use it to, to draw closer to me. Because in that, it, that, that's, that's what needs to take place here. Don't run, but run closer to me. Today is 21st century followers of Christ in the UK, right? We may not experience the same persecution, that the early church did. But, but I, I believe daily we are faced with challenges 
of whether or not to, to press in, to trust and make God known, or simply succumb to sort of um, the pressures of the culture around us and simply blend in. Those, are, those, to me, are the constant struggles that we face. To just blend in, to just go with the crowd, to just, just live our lives sort of quietly to ourselves and, and, and just keep it that way, and then that way everything's just going to be okay. But Jesus calls us to live, live the opposite of that, right? So my hope as we together uh, journey through this that we will use what James teaches us as a sort of preparation for each day, right? To make God known in every area and moment of our lives. So this morning, I had to give a bit of that backdrop because I think it's it's what's needed for us to, to go, okay, this is, as we dive into the book of James, this is sort of the context. This is what was going on in their lives. And, and we need to sort of understand that to some degree, um, so that we can appreciate as we as we unpackage this um, what's happening a little bit more. So we're going to read from James 1, 1 to 12 this morning. And it's going to be up on the board for you. So you can uh, just read along there and then we'll carry on from there. So James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position, because he will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises... Uh, with scorching heat and withers the plant, it blossom, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. I have to be honest, um, verse 12 sums it up for me. Verse 12 is like, what an incredible promise. And, and this is truly what I hang on to, is verse 12, right? It's like, with, without that verse, it would, al- it would almost be fair to say, like, what's the point, <laughs> right? Yeah, what's the point? And, um, and so... In some ways, I feel a little bit inadequate when it comes to um, to suffering, to trials, the testing of my faith, as in many ways, compared to others, which isn't always the best thing to do. Uh, it's better just to compare yourself to Christ, but I sometimes compare myself to others. I, I have been in some ways sheltered from these testings and these trials and the testing of my faith. Yes, there are a few things that I could sort of highlight but 
I was thinking about some other people. Um, and, and in a second, I'm going to read a, a story. Um, but I've come to recognize that, that, that suffering isn't something that happens to us apart from God's plan, apart from God's rescue plan, but it's a part of God's redemption. So suffering isn't something that happens to us apart from God's rescue plan, but it's a part of God's redemption. Because I think if handled properly, it actually produces in us Christ-likeness. Right? That's the whole goal always in Scripture is like, how is this going to develop Christ-likeness in me? And I, I think of a few stories, as I said, I feel a little bit inadequate when it comes to different, uh, maybe sharing some personal stories today. But I think of a few other individuals that I've known over the years. And, um, and I have a, two friends that um, probably a few years ago now, their, their baby daughter passed away. And it was a really freak accident that happened. And she was just under a year old. And um, I remember first hearing the news of, of them losing their daughter. And I, I remember just thinking, like, how, how, can they, how are they going to work through this? Like, how are they going to overcome this, right? I mean, you can think of the, just, the, just how devastating that would be, right? I mean, it's losing a son or a daughter. I mean, it would just be absolutely horrible. I remember a time um, we were at a funeral, and I, I think this is where it's like you can never imagine what somebody's going through because God gives a special grace in those moments, right? It's like you kind of go, how is this even possible that they're standing? How is it even possible that they're talking? How is it even possible that they're getting out of bed today? But I think it's God recognizes in those moments and he pours out his grace. And I'll never actually get that unless I'm in that same situation where I get to experience that level of grace in my life, right? And I remember being in a, in a, in a funeral one day, and there was a number of us youth pastors hanging out, and, uh, and we were talking about this one particular story of an individual. Um, sorry, we were talking about the ch- this other child that had passed away that these, this family had lost, and it was like they were actually stronger in that moment than many other people in the funeral. And it was just like, how on earth are they doing this? But it was because of God's grace. I know another couple that, that lost a daughter um, to cancer. She was really, really young. And it just came after like a situation at a, a pastor's camp thing that we, uh, that Kyle and I would be a part of every summer in Sylvan Lake. And, uh, and again, it just sort of came out of the blue. And, and for the next number, probably a year or so, there was this this long journey of believing God for healing. And then at the end, she passed away. And, and uh, again, in that moment of how did they pastor a church, a thriving church in Toronto, Canada? How did they manage to keep going when they experienced such, you know, such an incredibly difficult time? And, uh, and then I know another family that, that um, not haven't lost somebody but financially they have really gone through it because they were they were being really faithful with what they felt God was calling them to do and uh and and they didn't lose everything but they gave literally everything I'm talking millions not just a few pounds here and there and uh 
And, and in that time, you know, I would say for, for the ones that lost a significant amount of money, I believe they will receive their award in, in glory. But, um, theirs was more of a, in a sense of a testing. I think the other two that lost children, it's like there, that was some serious suffering. Um, and yet in that, it would have been a trial that God would have developed something in them. And God did develop something in them. And what I discovered from looking at their lives was this, that they embraced their trials, not for what they were, but for what God could accomplish through them. Right? It's like, it doesn't mean that it's, it's going to be easy, but they knew God would be faithful to his promise. Right? And, and, and I think before I mention this, this next story, it's important that we all know that, that nowhere in scripture does it teach that troubles in life are always an indication that God is dis- displeased with us. Sometimes there's this, oh, that, that's happening because God's displeased with you. And I don't, I don't believe that. I believe there can be consequences for our actions because we've made some really poor decisions. But I don't believe that, that, um, that it's always an indication that God is displeased with us. They actually can be a sign that he recognizes our firm commitment to him. And he wants to continue to develop something in us. So our trials and losses can actually be an opportunity to display to those around us of how God is faithful with us through all of life's challenges. And in a moment, I will share a little bit about kind of very, very briefly about either being bitter or being better. And it's like, you know, if you serve the Lord and something really challenging happens and there's outsiders looking in, that's a moment where you get to either really declare who God is and how he sustained you and how he's done something amazing through that moment. Or you can basically display to those people that, yeah, it's not worth serving this God. Those are sort of the, the, the choices that we have to make when we face trials, when we face challenging situations in our lives. So in 1967, a lady by the name of Joni Erickson, um, which maybe some of you have heard of her, she's from the States, uh, jumped into a body of water. Having misjudged the depth, she emerged forever changed. From this point forward, Joni would live her entire life in a wheelchair, as on that day she became a quadriplegic. She, she's written extensively of her experiences over the years and has become an inspiration to many. She's modeled joy in the midst of suffering and maybe equally important. She has shown that often God has a purpose in our suffering. And so on one occasion, Joni discussed having her wheelchair in heaven. And this is what she said, and I quote, I hope I can take my wheelchair with me to heaven. I know that's not biblically correct, but if I were able, I would have my wheelchair up in heaven right next to me when God gives me my brand new glorified body. And I will then turn to Jesus and say, Lord, do you see that wheelchair there? Well, you were right. When you said that in this world, we will have trouble, we would have trouble. But Jesus, the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I leaned on you. And the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. That to me is like incredibly powerful. 
So thank you for what you did in my life through that wheelchair. And now I will always say jokingly, you can send that wheelchair to hell if you want. End quote. So in some ways we could stop right there and maybe some of you are thinking, yeah, but you do normally speak for quite a while, so that would be a good idea. You could stop right here. But I have some more things to say. Um, but there's a lot to just ponder even in that one quick story. And uh, so I have three things to say because that's what I do. I always have three points, unlike Chris, but uh, which is not a bad thing. That's not what I'm trying to say. But on, yeah. <laughs> so three things, three truths that will help us uh, help us have joy in the midst of trials. So the first one is believers will experience trials. And, uh, you know, the famous preacher line is, is this, right? It doesn't say consider it pure joy if you face trials, but it says whenever, right? We always kind of do that. It doesn't say this, it, it says this. And sometimes we try to get really tricky, uh, but today I won't do that. But it doesn't say if, but it says whenever. And the Message Bible calls trials gifts. And I, I thought, wow, that's, that's nice. So trials or sufferings um, are not just a part of the Christian life. They're actually a gift to us. Now, that's messed up in, in many ways if you're looking at it from sort of a, a human perspective. But if you're looking at it from the perspective of I want to develop and grow in my relationship with the Lord, it's like that is a gift because I want to be more like Christ tomorrow than I am today, right? Um, now, that doesn't mean I, I want to, you know, always be going through trials and temptations and all, or uh, testings, sorry, but they're a gift. I've heard a number of people over the years say that after the cross or because of the cross, uh, because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, defeating death once and for all, we no longer have to suffer. And I believe that is partially true. We will never have to suffer or experience what Jesus went through for us. However, to say that we will not experience suffering or trials is simply, it's simply unbiblical. And here's a few verses in case you don't believe me. John 16.33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And then in Romans 8, 17, it says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering, in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. It's like this needs to happen and, then, and, and this will happen. And then lastly, 1 Peter 4, 12, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. It's like, again, it's like, be aware, right? Don't, don't be surprised here. This is what's, this will take place in your life. Okay. There, it's like these, it's not, it's like a, it's like a preparation. It's not a warning. It's like this, be prepared for this stuff. So, um, as something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the suffering of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. So other than the John verse, these words we just read came after the cross. 
So we will, this side of the, of the cross, encounter times of hardship, trials, and suffering. And James says, when. So in other words, be ready, right? Be ready for this stuff. When, and when we understand that these times will come, we will be able to ask the right questions instead of simply saying, why is this happening to me? Because how many times do we just go down that path? Instead of looking to God and saying, what's going on in this situation? How do you want to develop and grow me in this situation? We just ask why and why and why. And sometimes, and it's not easy talking to somebody that might be experiencing or is in the midst of something very, very terrible, but sometimes there isn't an answer. And we know that. And to to try to give an answer is, I just think, not a really good idea. So it's better just to be saying, God, give me wisdom in this situation so I know what you're doing. Facing trials of many kinds doesn't suggest we should seek out trials, nor are we to pretend that enduring them is pleasant, right? They cause pain and they cause difficulty. So I'm not going, okay, God, hey, I'm ready. I'm ready for a trial. Like, throw it at me. I'm here. I'm ready. But I do think I need to be prepared. And I think... Um, you know, it's, it's okay to be like, this, this is brutal. Now, I think if you, you know, if you're just walking around and telling every single person that you come across that what's happening and just, I, I hate this and you're just like an absolute miserable person. I don't think that's also a good witness, uh, as a Christ follower either, but, but you can be real. You can be honest. You can be like, this is tough. But would you come around and pray with me through this so that I can develop how God wants to develop in me? So, so they cause pain and difficulty. However, we should still look at trials as an occasion for joy because of their potential to, be, to develop something good in us. In this, what we need to do is remember that, that God is sovereign over all our various trials. And he will give us the grace needed to come through victorious again it's like you have to have a big picture big picture thinking when it comes to what you're working through so believers um, will experience it's not a if it's a yes you will the second thing is believers will grow from trials the reality is that in trials we can either choose to be and i said this a few moments ago we can either choose to be bitter or we can choose to be better those, those are the two choices when you're faced with trials, when you're faced with some tests. So those are the, uh, those are the two choices when it comes to testing. And if we want to grow, um, and develop in our Christian walk, becoming mature and complete, lacking nothing, as James says, um, embracing the tests is, is key. It's, it's like there's no other way for it to take place. You have to embrace it. So this word testing refers to the act of proving the worth of something. So, so the truth is, is that you are accepted and loved by God. That's, that is a for sure. Okay. That's for certain. But the testing reveals where you're at with him. Right. So it's like in school. Um, if you, you know, you write a test because you need to know where you're at. And so, so 
you've been studying, you've been doing a lot of different things, and then one day there's this test. And after the test, you know where you're at. The teacher knows where you're at, right? That's, that's how it works. And so in the same way, it's like there needs to be a test because then it helps us know where we're at. And it helps, God knows all things, but it, it's like, it, it almost helps God know where you're at as well, if that makes sense. Maybe that's completely wrong. But anyways, someone said once upon a time that um, a sermon is like a good fish dinner. You eat the meat and spit out the bones. So if I say stuff that just doesn't make any sense, it's terrible, just throw it away, eat the good stuff. Because there's, I'm sure there's something good in this. So um, anyways, so... And so when God tests us, it's almost like um, a way to measure where we're at and in that develop the perseverance we need in our faith because we need this perseverance in our faith. But this perseverance is not uh, in the sense of I, I got to just keep going, like that kind of perseverance. Like when I run a race, I, I just I got to keep going and persevere. I can do this. I can do this. It's like I just sort of pump myself up and get excited. But this perseverance uh, is, a, is a little bit different. So remember, the original audience um, was fleeing persecution. So their thoughts weren't just keep going. Well, maybe they were because they were like running away, right? Maybe they were like, yeah, just keep going. Like, just get out of here. This is horrible. Um, but, but, um, but James in this situation is using the term perseverance to describe this staying power. So he is saying... Uh, he is saying embracing these trials will develop in you an ability to be solid in the Lord no matter what comes your way. And that's what we want. I don't want to be an individual that is blown to and from, to- tossed, however that scripture was in James there. Like, I want to be stable in my faith. I want to be consistent in my faith. I want to be like, like, a strong pillar to those around me because of what God has developed in me, not because of my own ability and because of what I've accomplished, but because of what God has done in me and for what I've allowed him to accomplish in my life. Because it's about partnering with God and saying yes to the trials, saying yes to the testing that he has for us. So I want to be solid in my faith. And I hope every single one of you wants to be solid in your faith because it's, I just think that's, that's, where it's at. That's where we should all strive in a sense to be. So Jesus had staying power. This is what enabled him to endure, right? In, uh, in Hebrews 12, it says, Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter, uh, of faith for the cross, for the joy set before him endured the cross. And this is our goal as well. So the third point is this. Believers will overcome. Believers will overcome trials. This to me is the encouraging part because it says uh, the testing of your faith. James says in verse four, perseverance must finish its work. And then he gives us the answer to help us make that happen. And in verse five, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all find without finding faults and it will be given to him. So in other words, he will give you what you need to get through. That's encouraging. That's good news for us. He is generous and he will um, be given to you even, or sorry, he is generous and it will be given to you even when we're not perfect 
in the trial, right? Because he says to all without finding fault. In other words, it's like he could always find fault in us if he wanted to. I can always find fault in my kids. There, it's easy. There's there there's a number of little things that I could just be like. Even this morning, Kyla was thanking the kids because we went for a walk yesterday. It was a really nice walk, and they weren't fighting all the time because that tends to happen on walks these days. And they were being awesome. And then Eden decided on her way uh, after we were at the at Tesco um, or Lidl or something like that. We came home and she put away the toilet paper. And um, and so Kyla was just saying thanks for like helping put stuff away and we didn't even have to ask you and that's like such an amazing thing as, as a parent that you don't have to ask your kid to do something but this is the one thing that I noticed and this is my this is my issue but she put the toilet paper in the uh, closet and later on in the evening I was going by the closet and it wouldn't close and I thought what the heck is going on so I looked in and the toilet paper was just sort of tossed in there and I thought ah but then I was like, no, she didn't, we didn't even have to ask her to put it away. She, she put it away. And, and so when Kyla was encouraging them this morning on the way to church, I almost said, but next time, can you make sure, right? It's so easy to find fault, but God doesn't do that. He's not like, oh, I'm just going to pick on you about this right now. We, we will have these these, these tests that will take place in our lives. But he's generous and he won't just try and nitpick us. It's like um, even when we're not perfect in the trial, he's, he's just going to be there with us and working what needs to be worked out in us in that season of our lives. This is, this is encouraging to, to me because God is not looking for perfection through the trial. He's simply looking for us to cooperate and trust him. And again, it's like how beautiful that is for us because I know that I make mistakes. I know that I'm not perfect and I'm thankful that God doesn't go, oh yeah, there's another one, Julian. Yeah. But God looks at these amazing qualities that he's put in us and he wants to develop those. And sometimes in order for those to be developed, there has to be a test. There has to be a trial. There has to be something that takes place so that can happen in our lives. And so if we don't doubt God's response in our asking for wisdom, um, because God's ways may not always make sense to us, we will come out on the other side of the test winning. It's like last week I said about um, that phrase, common sense. You know, sometimes the tests and the trials don't always make sense because we're looking at them from our human perspective. But God challenges us to look at it from his perspective. So how we respond to God always reveals our heart. It always reveals where we're, where we are in our walk with God. And if your desire is to be more Christ-like, God will help, help make that happen. It just may not always be really comfortable. And I think probably a few of us know what that is like. So, um, I guess I'd just like to say that the trials, the testing, the suffering always has a purpose of good coming out of it. So, so if you're, if you're in a season, if you're in a season of facing some difficulties, God is inviting you to trust in his goodness. That's, that's basically 
the sum of everything that I've said. If you're in a trial, then God is saying, will you trust me? Will you, will you just go along with this because I'm good and good will come out of this? And if you're not in a season where there's some testing or trials going on, then pre- prepare yourself or take this message as a preparation for when it does come. It might be big, it might be small, I don't know. Like I said earlier, it's like, for me, I feel like I haven't experienced, compared to some other people, the, you know, big, big tests, big, big trials. But I have to just be faithful and sort of embrace what God's going to do in my life, and others will embrace what God's doing in their lives. And I think it's important um, that we remember this verse once again, and I'm going to end with this, and that is, Blessed, again, is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. I think it's so important that whenever we're facing anything, that we keep that at the forefront, that we keep that big picture perspective. It's so easy to get focused on what's right in front of us, Um but we have to remember and trust that God sees the big picture and we have to try and see beyond sort of the moment that we're in. So as we close, let's remember not to to flee or run away because we may not actually be running away like the early church did in the sense when they saw Stephen being persecuted. We may not be running down the street, but in our hearts and in our minds, we disengage, we check out, we just go, no, no thanks. And, And so we just put up a sort of a wall and just say, no, God, I'm done. Appreciate everything that's been going on lately, but I'm done. And, and, and so encourage us not to, to take that approach, but to take the approach of God. I want to, I want to be developed how you want to develop me. And so, um, let's, let's be wise and discover what God is doing in us because God always works, right? For the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.